unders, down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri, Art of War, down under. Hello, my lovely, lovely listeners, and welcome. We're finally doing it. It's been such a long wait. And many have asked me, Adam, why? Why have you not done this yet? Why have you been waiting so freaking long? Why have you left us all in trepidation, un- unrequited, for its time for the, the, the star children? I don't know. The first, first loved of the old ones, the Eldari Index uh, Review. And the reason I've dodged this duck and weave like a, a maestro of the squared circle uh, is because I had no freaking confidence that the episode that I put out reviewing this codex index rather uh, would have any longevity whatsoever. And one of the things I always like to do when I review an index or a codex or something is to do it. So it stays in its most evergreen form for people in the future. Should they come back to it and safe to say that at no point up until literally, you know, last balance slate that I have any confidence that Eldar were going to stay in the same form and have the same rules for any length of time. To that end, I have reached out to uh, one of the absolute maddest of lads uh, in this great community of ours, Mr. Vic Vijay, to join us for this episode. Hello, mate, and welcome. Hello, Adam. I can't believe it's been, uh, it was ninth edition when we did this. I feel like it was just yesterday, and here we Uh, are again. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we're literally giving Eldar their their once over, their index, and I'm leading on Vic to make sure I keep uh, straight up and down on all the changes that have occurred to mm-hmm. this index because it's probably the most altered index that we have in the game now from its release version to what it exists in on the table now. Is that correct? Would that be safe to say? Yeah, I think so. I think it's layers of rules which have just been shrunk down, basically. Uh, mm. is what it is. Whether or not it's had the most overall changes, I'm not sure, but it's certainly been changed mo- the most times. Yeah, I, I, that is probably more accurate. Um, in saying that, this, of course, is our usual two-part podcast. First part coming lovingly out for you guys. Hopefully, we're scratching this through to get it uh, Tuesday morning Easter stand time. If that is the case and you have this on time, please thank Seamus Ronan because we're recording this very late in the piece. Uh, just by dint of that's just how it works. Uh, and Seamus has stayed up extremely late or gotten up extremely early to make sure it gets done for you guys for your listening pleasure. So everybody, shout out Seamus in the comments. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Part two, of course, over on Patreon, Art of War Down Under. Please join us there. It's going to be a swathe of fantastic listener questions by my patrons. Um, Vic, plug your wares. How is that 40k fireside doing? And what are, you, what are the, the best and brightest of the UK got cooking at the moment? Dude, we have just done our 45th episode of the 40k fireside, which is run by me and David Gaylord. Uh, we're both like very competitive 40k players based in the UK, and we talk about 40k in general, our journey, and... Try and give back to our listeners a little bit stuff that they can take away for their own games. It's a very relaxed, chilled environment. And, you know, if you guys enjoy this kind of content, I'm sure you'll also enjoy ours. Yeah, go over and enjoy. I do listen to every single episode. Uh, <laughs> chilled, relaxed. Uh, God rants. Uh, chilled, relaxed. <laughs> David just popping right off. There's on, a bit uh, of spice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do love it. I love the I love the duality of you two. And I, I do love the fire in, in David's belly. It, it, uh, I respect it. Uh, but we are going to jump straight into this uh, index review. And first and foremost, hot takes time. So the latest balanced data slate came out, and I finally felt comfortable to say that Eldar was in a reasonably good place. They no longer felt oppressive on the tabletop. In fact, I think the latest changes have really allowed Eldari players, and I will say Eldari players, not meta chasing, whatever, you know, just <laughs> playing people playing the best list in the game. Nothing wrong with that. Totally be respected. Great place to great place to play, great place to start. And of course, when you have so many more tools than everybody else, it's just sometimes you just you just play the best to be the best. Um but now they really feel a lot more like Eldar. I felt like they did not really feel like Eldar for a long time. They felt like guard plus a custodies brick, almost like an allies, a soup conglomeration from early eighth edition. You know, Wraith Guard being the you know ten custodies with character support, backed up by triple Manticore, triple Basilisk, or whatever with the Night Spinners, and some X Factor nonsense from the Incarn. And that felt like it really did not feel like Eldar, apart from all the the jank. But um. On the tabletop, it didn't feel like what I identify as an Eldari army. Um, and that, my hot take is now, I feel like they're in a reasonably good place. How do you feel, mm. mate? Oh, I completely agree with you. I think when it comes to balancing these armies, a good direction to go is making the army feel like how you want it to feel. 
And for example, they did that beautifully with Drakari, and I think they've done that beautifully with Aldari here as well. Mm. You feel the limitations of the army, even though you have, you know, maybe a lot of units on the board, you feel the fragility of them. You feel the need to, can I get one more use out of this unit without just throwing yes. it away? And, you know, you've got the speed, you've got the hitting power, but you need multiple units to come together to actually make considerable damage. And then you've got your little resource in the background, your fate dice. You've only got six of them. And before it felt unlimited. Now it feels mm. like I've got, I've got a, a resource here that I need to use at the right time for maximum effect. And I'm going to run out by the end of the game. So I've got to make it worth it. That's a fantastic and very in keeping with the dying race of the Eldar. But then edition by edition by edition, they continue to absolutely annihilate everyone. everyone in, yeah, the three constants of 40k. At some point, flyers will be broken in every edition. At some point, horror, pink horrors will be broken in every edition. And at some point, Eldari will be broken in every edition. And so far, that has remained true for the first, for the last of those. The other two, we'll see how 10th uh, edition holds out. Maybe, maybe t- t- this, this edition is the time when uh, it will happen. But jumping straight into this review, uh, first up, we have their army rule, which Strands of Fate, you just spoke to it before. Um, this pretty much is one of the best versions of this mechanic we have ever seen. And this is essentially a faux miracle dice mechanic, as in like you get to replace a dice with the dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, where this is different is that you are not replacing a dice with a number that you have rolled. You are rolling a number, you're rolling a number of dice, and then you are creating like essentially a bank. Like mm-hmm. you're creating a bank of dice, like in Monopoly. And then (laughs) the Eldari player is the bank and they get to exchange dice rolls as they see fit. Tell us about this ability because on face value, like I said, this is one of the strongest versions of this ability we've ever seen. But Mm -hmm. what's your opinion, mate? I mean, I think when it was first released, it was you get 12 fate dice. You can use as many as you want whenever you want. Front loaded, you get a huge number of dice and you can basically front load your defense. And by front load, I mean use it at the start of the game all in one go if you want. Front load your damage and your defense, made for some very oppressive combinations that you can create. It's been toned down significantly now. You now get six dice at the start of the game. You can use one per phase. So you can't use one per phase per unit like um, like Sisters of Battle. You can only use once per phase. Um, you can still use it over a wide variety of stuff. But because it's such a small number, it means yep. that you know if you're using it twice in a battle round, you've only got three battle rounds where you have any fate dice. And then you have to start looking into the other mechanics in the index in order to give you more fate dice or manipulate your fate dice to better quality fate dice. Mm. Exactly right. So uh, how this will work is at the start of the game, you will roll, you know, in this in this version, this iteration, you will roll six dice. And should you be unhappy with the six dice you have rolled because you don't have enough of XYZ number that you know you need, like in a lot of a lot of times you want to see a lot of five pluses, there's a lot of invulnerable saves that kill five pluses. You want a bunch of five pluses to wound with certain profiles into certain other profile defensive, you know, toughnesses, you know, by seeing your opponent's army. And then you keep whenever you've had enough. And then throughout the game, you can interject those for advanced rolls, Battleshock tests, charge rolls, damage rolls, hit rolls, saving throws, and wound rolls. Um, and then, like you said, uh, on release, you could just be like, lol, just hit <laughs> wound rolls, thanks. Um, and and sorry, and damage rolls. The rest of it need not apply. Uh, now, it's a really, especially, like you said, when you have this uh, death by a thousand cuts mentality or this, like, really nice MSU feel to things. Advanced rolls are now a big deal. Uh, Battleshock is not insignificant, which I've, I've I'd never played an Eldari player and had them use it on a Battleshock. Um, <laughs> oh, you will now, though. I, I, was, I was about to say, yeah, I absolutely will now, mate. Uh, how good is this still? Is this rule still a be-all, end-all, and how does it rank up against other people's army rules in the game at the moment? So I, I think this is still very, very strong. Is it one of the strongest uh, army rules in the game? I'm not so sure about that anymore. And I think many people will disagree with me um, just from historic kind of evidence and feelings. Um, But if this was how it was released initially, I think people were already saying that Eldari got a nerf from 9th edition, which I disagree with, on the Strands of Fate. This would have caused the community to implode saying how rubbish Eldari are. (laughs) I still think it's very strong. And I think... As a competitive player, having these kinds of consistency mechanisms built into your army is one of the most important tools you can get access to. 
Um, it just smooths out the curve and gives you options where otherwise you wouldn't have had options. Mm. Um, and uh, the way they've done this, I actually think is phenomenal. It's much better than the ninth edition mechani- mechanism, in my opinion, yeah, opinion. I agree. And the way it synergizes with the rest of your army, it's it's quite quite elegantly done. I do agree. I still uh, absolutely loathe this mechanic <laughs> in a dice game. Any any time, so the the one true great truth, even when we're playing seventh edition, everyone's dealing with two up rerollable nonsense. The great truth of our game is that no one acts with absolute assured knowledge. Mm. An aber- an aberration of um, chance, luck. Fate, whatever you want to call it, can still occur on no matter what dice because we all work with a dice. As mm. soon as you remove the dice and one player is working with absolute assured knowledge and the other player isn't, I, I dislike that. I dislike that interaction. I, li- I like that every single decision that I have has to go through the random D6 generator of throwing a dice on a table or <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, and when, when you remove that, I, I lose, 40K loses a little bit of something to me. But that's, that's my opinion. I also, yeah. uh, for the same reasons, I dislike Miracle Dice. Ah, um, I think a lot of people feel the same way as you do, especially if they're opponents of these armies. It can feel quite oppressive at times. What a coincidence. I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, moving on to the Eldari detachment that they've given us here. This is the battle host. And the army rule is as followed. Unparalleled foresight. Each time an Eldari unit from your army is selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll one hit roll, and you can reroll one wound roll when resolving those attacks. One hit roll, one wound roll, reroll. When you have fate dice in tow as well, was one of the biggest combinations and issues. That was to that, this was also one of the reasons, especially when people were playing with Wraith Knights at the start of the index, um, like one fate dice and then just front loading your 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 defense was all you needed to do because you had enough rerolls to hit and rerolls to wound that you were ironing out most variants anyway. And hmm. uh, to, to to a point, you know, you can use rerolls to do what I said just then, but you're still opening to the D6 generator. Uh, is this still a good rule? Because I think it's absolutely awesome when you come when you uh, put it side by side with a lot of other detachment rules. I, I think this is the more powerful of the two. To be yeah, honest, agreed. I think this is stronger than the army rule, and I think this has gone a little bit under the radar here. This this particular rule of rerolling a hit roll and a wound roll on both shooting and fighting has been mm-hmm. historically one of the most powerful kind of army rules that you can get. And many of the custom factions you could take in the previous edition would go for this one as their single best choice. Mm. I think it's quite amazing that this has survived with zero touches to it. Because this is what pushed Aldar, in my opinion, over the edge. Uh, Even more than Strands of Fate, because this opened up the option to use almost every unit that we had access to. Um, Mm. Now, it's kind of worked out nicely. But it would have been very clever for them to just go... When you shoot, you can reroll one hit roll or yes. one roll. Yes. Um, and just or, narrow down the options for Eldari a little. Well, I think, I, well, they could have given, if they wanted to, they could have gutted this and just said it's just the hit roll in shooting mm-hmm. and fight phase. You can do it in the same turn, but it's just the hit roll, which is not where Eldar needs the help. Usually yeah. it's more, way, way, well, we, in fact, we know in 10th edition, rerolling a wound roll is so much more important than a hit roll in almost mm-hmm. every case, just because of the increase in toughness. Rerolling a wound roll is just so much better and so much harder to come by. Um, I'm happy because when I play now my, with my Eldari on the board, I have these little MSU units, even my characters. Yeah. They feel yeah. so kind of elite and impactful because they've got so much consistency with their damage mm-hmm. output that I actually really enjoy it, playing it on the board, and I'm glad that Eldar are the only one, because I would hate it if this was a rule that was spread across the game. I'm glad it's become yeah. a bit more limited, but I would have liked to have seen something more creative here on this army. I do agree. I do agree. But by more creative, do you mean like the whole army has shoot and scoot? Because then you, we can all just, you know... No. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, not again. <laughs> oh, no. uh, I do think that this is that uh, Unparalleled Foresight is actually, yeah, like you said, stronger than this version of as, as Strands of Fates exists right now, the six dice. Um, I think definitely Unparalleled Foresight is more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, the 12 dice, oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> um, all right, unpacking, how does like Corsairs, your traveling players, and your Nari work now? Because it used to be that these things all had their own special spicy thing that made them special and spicy. Mm-hmm. And now they are 
virtually all self-contained in this same one index. Are you able to give us a TLDR on how this is stitched together or how people can get their heads yeah. around how these work now? Yeah, sure. It's quite simple. I mean, a lot of the ally rules have required, like, you can take up to 500 points, a quarter of your army as allies. And that's what they're doing for Corsairs and Harlequins. So Corsairs mm. and Harlequins can be added to both Craft Worlds and to uh, Drakari. Um, and it's, yeah, it's basically 500 points of allies. And then um, you can do Yanari, which is a bit more interesting, where your warlord has to be Evrain, and you can then start including Drukhari units into your Craftworld army. Yeah. And interestingly, they gain the detachment rule, so any Drukhari units you have. So you will gain the reroll to hit and the reroll mm -hmm. to wound. You won't be able to access Strands of Fate because the Drukhari units don't have that but they will gain unparalleled foresight. So suddenly you're very elite, shooty Drakari units like Reavers, uh, sorry, not Reavers, Scourges or Ravages mm -hmm. with just a few Dark Lances become much more effective as Yunari. Kind of sad, but it's. Uh, I think it's a very powerful way to play, to play as Yunari. And I'm, I'm mm -hmm. surprised more people don't touch that. But yeah, the Corsairs and the Harlequins being added to your armies is cool. Uh, you, Corsairs aren't great, but Harlequins are. Uh, but Yanari changes the flavor a little bit by adding Drukari while giving you some limitations on the units you can take. So Yanari are not yep. allowed Phoenix Lords, the Avatar of Cain, Solitaire, or any of the uh, the Homunculus uh, Covens units. Uh, but otherwise, they've got free reign to take what they want. I do think this is, um, I guess this is the most simplistic version of any of these rules that we have seen. Uh, I mean, this is definitely the first time that we haven't seen a Yanari on release build that is busted mm -hmm. um simply because wraith knights were more busted than what triple ravager strapped onto <laughs> whatever the hell it was at this time uh but uh yeah this this is i it's a little from where we've come this lacks quite a bit of flavor uh in my opinion but mm -hmm. i think that's the tale of, of index hammer right or maybe in the codex they're going to get a lot more a lot more fleshed out i wouldn't be surprised if there's a unary detachment and a corsairs detachment definitely going to be hopefully your, your harlequins get more than one detachment but mo you know it might very well just be one is that some is that a way or a direction you'd like to see them go in a eldari codex yeah, I mean, multiple detachments like we've had in previous things, it seems quite obvious for them to to do a Yunari one and a Corsairs one and yep. a Harlequin one. Um, so hopefully that should be really cool. I mean, I would have loved to have seen them in this make give Yunari a different detachment rule um, instead of Unparalleled Foresight, which doesn't really scream Yunari. Uh, but it is what it is. Um, I think they have an issue with Yunari. I think it's badly designed to give the Drukhari units the rerolls to hit and wound. Yeah, um, but it's only the index, like you said. I'm sure things will improve. Exactly right. Well, power from pain, like it has been one of the most. Is it broken or is it forgettable? <laughs> as all hell uh, rules that have ever yeah. existed, or oh, sorry, identities that have ever existed in the game. Uh, the first two iterations of Yunari were two of the most broken of all time. Mm -hmm. And then it's just been kind of well. United Edition was just uh, I, I barely even remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they didn't touch the sides. Yes. Uh, exactly. All right. Uh, going into the battle host enhancements first, of which is the Phoenix Gem, and this is a tale of bangers, as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> in most other books, these are all takeable. In this one, two of them are very takeable. Aldari model only. The first time the bearer is destroyed, roll 1d6 on a 2+, plus. keep it to one side at the end of the phase, set the bearer back up on the as close as possible to the previous position, and not with engage range of any models, with its full wounds remaining. How many points does this run you? Uh, this is tw uh, 15 or 20 points, something like that. It's it's just built into my thing as being on yes. an autog. It just starts like that. Yes. So I don't even know the price of the autog before this is on it. <laughs> yeah. I lo I love the duality this is given, especially when you have the um the Skyrunner uh Farsia, where people are like, Well, he I don't I don't want to take a unit for him to join because none of the units that he can join are worth it yet. Mm -hmm. And so you'll just be like, Oh, Phoenix Gem. He's at least he's got two lives now. <laughs> and I can just use him as a lodestone to frustrate the hell out of my opponent Definitely. trying to get this one this one idiot on a bike. Um tell us about the next one. Uh, the next one's the Weeping Stone. So uh and it's an any Aldari model. Uh if the bearer's unit kills an enemy unit, you roll one D6 and gain a fate dice. Not as awful as it sounded at the start when you had 12 and you're like, lol, who needs more than 12? Uh, at six, possibly nine, if you take um, Eldrad, it's not an awful take now. Yeah, totally respectable. It's, it, it's absolutely an option, uh, to yep. be honest. So I, I kind of like it. 
Um, if you have the points left over, you can kind of look at this or one of the other ones. The next one we're going to talk about, the Reader of Ruins. Um, that one is an Eldari Psycho model, and in your yep. command phase, you can basically re-roll one of your fate dice to a new value. Um, I think both of these could be taken if your points just end up a little awkward. Yeah, exactly right. I think they're both very takeable. And, and in, like I said, in any other book, they are just like perfectly middle of the road fine enhancements. They're like, you're not, you're not breaking your back trying to get them in your list, but you're like, yeah, sure, I'll take them. I'm not going to be unhappy. And the last one is Fate's Messenger, which went from absolute banger to maybe the Death Jester gets it now. Um, Eldari model only once per turn just after making a hit roll, a wound roll, or a saving throw. Notably, most likely this is after you have chosen to re-roll them or not with your detachment rule. Um, you can flip a result to a six. And we just know how many just dripping and devastating wounds this <laughs> army is. Uh, and so that is just a very powerful ability. Used to be absolutely bonkers because, of course, as it reads right now, uh, model in the bearer's unit. Now it has been changed to the model itself, just, just the bearer. Uh, still perfectly fine. Still very good, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but that used to be the like that in the phoenix. That used to be the auto take over the phoenix gem mm-hmm. in a lot of cases because of the previous builds. And now the phoenix gem is probably number one. Fate's messenger is number two. If you decide to take a character that it's worth you taking it on, and that's why it's more conditional. And then the other ones are just like fine, totally fine. Just take him if you you got the points. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah, I think Fate's Messenger is actually really good. I think there's three yep. use cases for it. One is on the Death Jester, like you mentioned. You can flip a dice, gain a few sustained hits or some devastating yep. wounds. Uh, the Troop Master actually is excellent for flipping a second yes. dice because he can already flip a dice to He's a already six. won. Yep. Um, and then the third one is, interestingly, you mentioned the Farseer Skyrunner or a Farseer mm. of any kind with the Phoenix Gem. Fine, give him the Phoenix Gem. Now you can take the Fate's Messenger on your Autark Wayleaper Warlord and yes. suddenly he's able to, you know, hit a bit better with his fusion gun. Maybe he has Mandy Blasters, so he does a few dev wounds in combat as well with flipping to a six. So, and nice combos. I have never been more incredulous. How many points was the Autark Wayleaper on release? <laughs> it was like 80 or something ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I've never been more incredulous than losing uh, two and a half units in a turn to that guy. Yeah, he's outrageous. Sorry, two units, two, not two and a half. Yeah, yeah. he was just like, uh, and, and it's all with such assurance. Like my opponent just yeeted himself across the table, and I was like, "He's a bit suicidal, and a bra." And I'm like, "Oh my god, my face! <laughs> what is he doing? Why has he got a fusion gun that just auto annihilated a transport? Oh, why has he got like exactly the amount of everything hit, everything wounded, and <laughs> in combat? Yeah, exactly. Why is the best one loan up the cheapest and gives you an yes. extra CP? What's going yes. on? <laughs> yes, dear lord, is it a value machine? Anyway, breaking into the stratagems. Feigned retreats up first one CP. Uh, your movement phase just after an Eldara unit from your army made any makes a fallback move. Um, your el- your unit is eligible to shoot and declare a charge this turn, even though it fell back. One CP oh. is the best going rate for those oh uh, abilities. The vast majority of books pay two CP for both or one CP for half of that. Either you have to fall back and shoot or fall back and charge. Mm-hmm. They, of course, very Aldari of them to have one CP for both and uh, is still a very good strategy. Much better now as well. Brilliant, brilliant strategy. One of the best. Um, and unchanged, yes? Please tell me when these have yes. changed. I know that uh, most Only Phantasm has changed. Exactly right. It's changed 49 times and it's now sideways <laughs> somehow. Uh, what's the next one? Uh, the next one is Matchless Agility, which is, again, one of my favorite stratagems. And a lot of these stratagems are going to find a lot of use now, uh, yep. regularly during your games. Matchless Agility allows you to pick one Eldari unit. doesn't have to be anything specific. Any Eldari unit that has not been selected to move this phase, and it can advance automatically, counts as advancing six inches. Um, interestingly, it's do not make an advance roll for it. Yes. So the, in my opinion, I think the minus two to advance rolls doesn't work on this. Um, it just adds six to your move characteristic, so it's just the minus yeah. two to move. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've I've seen that 100 ruled both ways. When people yeah. just look at the, the the people just staring over the word roll in the sentence, <laughs> like does that mean it does or it doesn't? No, do they I, do not make an advanced roll? Just add six to your move characteristic. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. It's an awesome stratagem, and I use it a lot. Yeah. Um, especially now that there's less fate dice available, I'm often trying to avoid using one of my sixes to advance. 
Um, as we'll see, some of the aspect warriors are brilliant, and fire dragons make great use of this strategy and being able to advance and get into nasty positions. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, all right, fire and fades up next. It's pretty much what it says on the tin. It is 2 CP, end of your shooting phase, one Eldar unit from your army. Your unit can make a normal move. It cannot embark within the transport with this move. Uh, you can not select an enemy, sorry, you cannot select an aircraft unit or a unit within engagement range of one or any models, and until the end of the turn, that unit you selected can not declare a charge so no scoot and shoot scoot and charge uh still a very good very good strategy 2cp being the thing that holds it back the most because we know 2cp is the upper ends of the price point these days uh is this see much use now because it's it's 2cp but you don't have the big chunky units to get the max value from it so it's more 2cp situationally if it's going to flip an objective or you know um get you around a corner so Mm -hmm. to speak in my opinion, I think this is going to be used much more now than it was used before. Um, I don't know about everyone's playstyle, and I think people have very unique playstyles when it comes to Eldari. Yep. But for me, I wasn't really using Fire and Fade very often. I was using Phantasm much more. Um, now I'm finding myself using Fire and Fade a lot. I look at my resources and I'm like, okay, my Shadow Spectres can jump back behind the wall. I can Fire and Fade this unit. And then I can set up this unit one inch next to a wall for Phantasm. So now I spend my three CP and I've got, say, four units activating and I'm going to take nothing back. And those are the kind of plays that I'm looking for all the time. And I think Fire and Fade is critical for that. Not to mention the ability to play the mission very effectively with your Aspect Warrior units by using Fire and Fade to get behind enemy lines, deploy teleport homewards for an extra point. Um, Or, you know, a cheeky capture enemy outpost. How Mm. often does Fire and Fade let you capture enemy outpost? It's brilliant. Yeah, I do think it is. Now that you've spoken about it, I think this has gone up in utility. Um, quite a lot. And you are correct. There was, I mean, so, well, we're going to get to Phantasm soon, but Phantasm was one CP to just kind of do <laughs> this, God. do this with <laughs> all the benefits of full knowledge of your opponent mm-hmm. uh, and no downside. So you're just like, well, why, unless I need both, and those are very, were very much educators. Yeah. Why am I paying two CP for the same effect? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Bladestorm, I think it's your turn. Bladestorm, just. Uh, Bladestorm. Oh, you give me the bad one. Bladestorm doesn't come up very much. <laughs> it's uh, one Eldari unit from your army, basically gets on critical wounds and plus two AP to their attacks. Uh, it's only shooting, only shooting attacks. It doesn't really come up much. Your CP is much better used in different areas. Yeah. I've seen sometimes people take Yanari and let the Cabalite Warriors use this for some effect. Uh, but overall, I think this is a stratagem you are going to very rarely use, mm. uh, unfortunately. Totally agree. Uh, per- it's, a, it's a perfectly fine stratagem. It just doesn't touch the sides in this package. In, mm-hmm. Yeah, in this six pack, uh, Phantasm is up next. I'll try my best to remember what it reads as now. That's one CP. It's at the end of your opponent's movement phase. One Adari you from your army. Your unit can make a normal move of up to D six. It cannot yeah. embark uh, within the transport uh, at the end of the move. You cannot select a unit with engage range of one of any units, and until the end of the turn, you cannot target that unit with the heroic intervention strategy. It also reads as one infantry model now. Infantry Correct. unit, yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah, it used to be up to seven inches and any unit in your army. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nuts. What were they thinking? <laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, probably the best stratagem in the game is what, how we, we've kind well, of been d- describing it. The best stratagem of all time is the debate that I've heard. Oh, um, possibly. For And I think it is in the realms of best of all, is, is in the conversation for one of the best of all time. The And it's the T's and C's, the, just the, the pure beauty of the T's and C's. It's at the end of your opponent's movement phase. <laughs> you see their whole plan unfold in front of you. And for one CP, you get to absolutely destroy it. And like with absolute impunity, it was the it's the most ridiculous thing. I love it. Uh, I love it and loathe it so much. Um, oh, sorry. Awful. How is it now? What uh, now? It it's like? <laughs> now now it's um, very interesting. I think you still use it a lot, maybe three or even four times in a single game. Um, but you have to very deliberately set up to use it. It's not like yep. um, you know, oh, I could use it on anything. Now it's like I have set this unit up to make use of phantasm in my opponent's movement phase, which is a much more healthy place to be. Mm. Yeah, I think this is way, way, way healthier. Um, D6 just takes all the confidence away, doesn't it? Yeah. And is I mean, it, it, it's not a D6 you can exchange with a fate dice, is it? 
No, no, no. You have to roll it. And people have to remember, even if they're an inch off the wall, um, a 25 millimeter base is just under an inch. And most walls are less than, are more than three millimeters in thickness. Three millimeters is nothing. Um, So you have to roll a two to get to the other side of the wall. So there's definite failure points here. Absolutely. Uh, And, you know, when you were using this with 10 on 10, you know, 10 Wraith units that have, they're all on 40s or on 50s? 40s and they they move yes. six inches because they're movement characteristic Does, of six. Exactly right. It does not work anymore. You can't even you can't even jump out in a single row and think you're gonna with confidence jump back in because you need a three, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. uh it, it's a very different usage now. Uh and also exactly. before you used to kind of be able to get Fugan, for example, a really powerful character, and just jam him forward an extra seven yes. inches into crazy threat positions. Mm. Now, you know, you're taking a chance if you go for that play. Let's see how much I can get out of this. And it's most of the time it's gonna be a minimal gain. Yep, hundred percent. Um okay. Last one, lightning fast reactions. Take it mm-hmm. away. Awesome, yeah. So Lightning Fast Reactions hasn't changed for ages, I feel. It's one Eldari unit, so it can be anything except a Wraith Construct unit uh, until the end of the phase, and can be used in opponent's shooting or fight phase after you've been selected as a target. You get minus one to be hit. Really nice. Very powerful strat, I think. Mm. Uh, it probably uh, doesn't get used much, but it's powerful. <laughs> yes, I, I entirely 100% agree. I think it's absolutely fine. Uh, for one CP slapdown, Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. This is just like a bread and butter stratagem. Shoot, and and I don't know if you're going to use that much, especially on the units that you have now. Where I don't, I don't think one CP on five toughness three wounds is going to make a difference a lot. I think it's going to come up more now, interestingly, mm. because I think the avatar of Kane is going to be more popular. True, or like people will want kind of one chunky unit. Yes, and you can't use it on the other chunky units because let's say you wanted some wraith blades or a wraith a knight or something; those can't use this strategy. But mm. the avatar, you know, minus one to wound, minus one to hit, can really throw the mats off on things. And because this is reactive. I mean, you can you you should warn your opponent that you you have access to this, but it's kind of hard to not catch them out with this. To be honest, yes, that's correct. <laughs> I mean, there is still a lot of guard, and guard is definitely on the rise in the meta, as said as said by you on your show. So oh, <laughs> definitely, oh, that's, no, uh, it's ready again. Here. Leave me alone. <laughs> Towers around the corner, uh, yes. one of the next codexes, Orcs as well. Um, there's always been, every single codex has come out for Orcs, there has been some kind of DAC or Orc build, be it looters, be it, it might be flash kits in this ver- in this version. But um, yeah, lightning fast reactions could very well be going up in modality. Uh, that is it for the rules for the battle host and what a set of rules it is. You have bangers in every line. Uh, the army rule, banger. You have two fantastic uh, enhancements and two very takeable enhancements, should you have the points. And then you still have a who's a who of these are fan-freaking-tastic, flexible stratagems. Mostly, most of it, they're all movement-based, which I think is very Eldari. Fane Retreat, Fire and Fade, uh, Matchless Agility, and Phantasm. Four of the six, essentially, purely uh, dynamic-enhancing stratagems, which I think adds a lot of flavor and a lot of identity to this. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I couldn't have said that better myself. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. This is like the fact that they knew enough to know that between strands of fate and like one reroll to hit, one reroll to wound, you didn't need like a devastating wound stratagem <laughs> or a crits on five stratagem or a you know here is just slap on lethal or sustain stratagem. I think that's very good. I mean, mm-hmm. Bladestorm was like crit on fives. Uh, for one CP, sweet mother of mercy, <laughs> just let me let me out. <laughs> to be fair, you, their preview was strands of fate, the max powered strands of fate, um, yeah. the the reroll to hit and wound, and phantasm. Those were the three things they showed us, yes. and, and fire and fade. So basically, they showed us the four things, and you were like, yeah. it doesn't matter what you do now. You can put any data sheet or correct. anything on top of that, and it's going to be broken. Yeah, correct, and that has somewhat held true like the depth of this index has been a, a, a fearsome beast to behold it's just there's just more layers and i even believe if they took another hit there would be another layer that would keep them around the middle of the pack um regardless because i do yep. think that there are just data sheets for days worth taking here mm, yeah and saying that that's where we're going to go now so you're gonna you're gonna be my my absolute gun of a player that you are and take yes. us to we'll go with three we'll go with your three data sheets that people People need to know in the game right now. Right now, Either. just you know, I'm going to mix it up a little bit because I'm not going to go for the very obvious ones. I'm going to go for the things that maybe are new 
and going to yep. see more play. So I'm going to go with the Avatar of Kane first. That's right near Ooh. the top of the index. And, yep. uh, you know, I don't normally take big things because I look at the points cost on the Avatar of Kane. Okay, 335 points. And then I'll be like, that's four units. I'm going to take four units instead of just one. Yes. But 10th edition is a little different. The mission format's a little different. The meta's a little different as well. And I think there's real value sometimes in certain terrain formats, in certain metas, to having a few chunky things in your list. Mm. And 335 points is not bad for this beast. I think with the meta as it sits right now, especially with a lot of melee coming back into the four, world leader still kind of hanging tough, uh, custodies coming back, and all the melee nonsense that... um that L, uh, sorry, Necrons are bringing to the game. The the thing I think you're speaking of is taking a unit that garners respect on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you didn't have something like the Avatar of Kane in your army, and I was playing as you as a world leader, I have like zero reasons not to shove my entire army at you <laughs> immediately. And you just want some respect. Uh, yeah. And so people have to play the mid-board rather than trying to play your deployment zone. And I think that's what you're speaking of, yeah? The Avatar Kane, like the Yinkan, was that thing where you're just like, hold the hold up, buddy. You will pay a piper if you try and if you try and dive bomb straight into my deployment zone to do some nonsense. He also brings one of the better sweeps in the game, 12 attacks at 722. Uh, just two damage on sweeps and, and Ren 2 on sweeps, AP2 on sweeps, is at the upper end of the, the sweeps, which is very nice. Um... His strikes are actually like perfectly adequate, but nothing to write home about. But his sweep is very nice. I'm a huge fan. I actually think his shooting attack is also one of the most synergistic things in the index because he has a single shot with sustained hits D3, and it's a strength 16 minus 4 D6 plus 2 melter. Whoa. Uh, I, like, it's, it's insane and so cool because it synchronizes with a 6 on the fate dice, and that makes you yep. take data sheets like a Farseer to flip a dice to a 6, who mm. then also gives the avatar a buff, like minus 1 to wound from Fortune. Um, I think he just synergizes really well in the army. And while, yes, you could take three or four other units instead of him, I think he does a role which those three or four other units even combined can't do for you. So I think he's going to be quite popular moving into the yep. new new meta. I can see that too. Um, I wish he, it was. I wish there was a way to get a little bit more out of his um, bloody-handed aura, which is a uh, six-inch aura plus one advance plus one to charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. I don't see there's, I don't see the current build having much like dedicated melee in it. It's sort of like melee when it's when it's very convenient. But apart from that, like I don't see you know units of scorpions or banshees making you know their way back into this. Wraith blades, maybe possibly wraith blades mm-hmm. is somewhere that's something that people have pontificated on. But we'll talk to that in part two, I believe. Uh, all right, what's the next one? Uh, let's oh can we do wraith blades as a unit yeah for sure let's do it yeah because i actually think wraith blades are really cool now this is the second of potentially i think three chunky units um Mm -hmm. so maybe we need one non-chunky data sheet as well but i think wraith blades have suddenly possibly will be more popular because they fulfill a role that nothing else in the army can do which is some kind of a a unit of chunky melee threat which goes forward yeah yeah now the Wraith Blades are deceptive because they're actually much better on the table than they look on paper. And it's very weird to see how this unit plays on the table. The key thing is they are an infantry unit, so they can use Phantasm for a bit of extra threat range. But at T7, 2 plus armor save, um, they're actually kind of tough, especially when you give them minus 1 to wound. Mm-hmm. And their melee, while it looks rubbish on paper, it's like 3 attacks at 7 2, two. Actually, when you roll all of those dice, you suddenly like dice, you're like, oh, you know what? Rates kind of melt to this. Yes. And Catan, oh, I've got lethal hits. Okay. You know mm. what? All of a sudden, I you're not killing me, but I'm half killing you every time. Um, and they're, they're great places for, because I've noticed a bit, once the Wraith Guard went away, a lot of the minuses to wound, like the, sorry, the guide and the, uh, those other little, you know, command phase buffs didn't really have a home. Mm, yeah. Uh, and this this gives it back, right? Yeah. And I think they fulfill a different role to the Avatar. It's very subtly different. The Avatar controls space and is actually, in my opinion, a more defensive tool than an offensive tool. The Wraith yep. Blades can be used offensively as a suicidal unit that requires mm-hmm. too much commitment to actually chew through and can force your opponent into unfavorable positions, especially being able to utilize Phantasm. Yep. I think they're quite a powerful tool and stronger than their output and defensive profile suggests. Mm. So, well, 
Their defensive profile is very respectable. Like you said, toughness seven, two plus save, four plus invulnerable save. That is extremely respectable. Yeah. Uh, we talk about, well, so you, you want to you have a wraith that is one less wound, but one more toughness and a two plus save. You're like, sure, <laughs> uh, this is good. Um, yeah, I'm a fan. I think the Wraith Blades are totally acceptable. It's whether it's I guess it's whether the the meta you're in lets lets them shine. I do worry about them versus uh, you know, some things like eight bound who and maybe like wardens, only wardens. There's a lot of stuff to worry about, yeah. to be honest. It's fair. There's fair. Because I think all of these units have a weakness. Um, because for example, the Wraith Blades, you don't want to walk into the mirror against three D cannons, for example. God no. Oh dude, you, no. You don't want to walk into the guard game and play against Basilis who slow you down and Manticores who kill yep. you. <laughs> and and then, like you mentioned, you know, eight bound and custodies taking chunks out of them. Correct. Um, let, let's count that as a null. Let's have two more. Two more. Let's two more. Okay. Should we do the fire dragons? Because uh, yes, you know the aspect warriors have are such an integral part of list design, I think, for Eldari now. I think you don't just take, like, the the triple Night Spinners, the Wraith Guard, the Yin Khan. That's most of your army gone. Maybe you can have one or two more units there, and you're just going to take Warp Spiders because you're boring. Um, <laughs> I love that you said it. <laughs> um, but now you're going to take a suite of Aspect Warriors that provide different roles for you and different answers for different things in the meta. And I think nothing exemplifies this more than the Fire Dragon unit. Fire Dragons have five Melter Guns, slightly souped up. They're Melter 3 and Strength 9. Um, and they're Assault, like most Melters are. Um, and they, interestingly, it doesn't look that good, but they're only 85 points. And you're like, okay, fine, Vic, but they're wounding on fives versus vehicles. But they've got their built-in reroll. They automatically reroll wound rolls of one against monsters or vehicles. And they could go in a falcon and gain full rerolls to wound. So suddenly you have this unit that let's say it's coming out of a wave serpent or a falcon is yep. disembarking three, moving seven. So it goes 10 inches. You auto advance six with the strat or a fate dice. It's gone 16 inches. You've gone into melter range of, let's say, a Catan. It's a big threat for Eldari in this meta. Yep. Um, uh, and very easy to get there with the 16 inches. And then you shoot. Maybe you do three wounds. You know, Let's say you're lucky or you're around average and you do three wounds. Let's say they fail two saves. Yeah, those two saves going through is based because they're half damage, is basically three for the melter plus D3 damage. So you're doing five per one. Correct. Let's say you throw grenades first and you've done three more. So basically they've got 13 damage out of this eight uh 85 point unit. They pass a few feeling of pains. Let's say you do nine to ten damage. You have got insane value out of this firing unit. Yeah, correct. It doesn't matter if they whiff. But they could absolutely um, like destroy this unit. And then even if they do, they move blocked, got into a position where they're a little bit annoying. Maybe they're set up for a Phantasm play to make things really awkward and get another go. Um, I think they're a brilliant unit at 85 points and really exemplify the MSU builds that I think are going to be popular in Eldari. Totally agree. I think their their fusion guns being over the the strength nine breakpoint as well is very nice. Those mm-hmm. strength eight melters need not apply uh, because in addition to what you've just said, there is so many transports in the game. There are just so many like rhinos and sagittars and little nonsense things that you you do want to crack efficiently and timely. And this is a unit that of course can do both. I do like the falcon build um, because I think the real wound is is. Fantastic, but I don't. I don't know if it's necessary. If you don't have the points for the Falcon, I still think you can definitely take one of these and just see if you can get them in a staging position in the middle of the table and then run mm-hmm. them out with the auto, the auto move. Yeah. Um, My yeah, personal favorite Falcon's combination better. of fire dragons is to have a, a single wave serpent and two units of five fire dragons. I think this is an extremely yes. efficient package of three units, uh, which makes the best uh, kind of adds the best tools to your army for a very low points mm-hmm. cost. All right, last one, mate. What are you going to pick? Oh my god, there's so many options. You know, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for the Harlequin troop uh, here because I think there's one particular unit which people are not talking about much, but if you look at the output of this unit, I think it's one of the highest spike damage that we have against monsters and vehicles, and it's the five troops plus a troop master with Fate's Messenger who come out of a Falcon, and the Falcon gives them rerolls to wound. This unit goes in, it shoots two fusion pistols, and let's say two shuriken pistols or two neuro pistols, um, and it can throw grenades as well. 
the uh, the troop master gives them devastating wounds, and the troops themselves get plus one to wound when they charge. So yeah. a lot of things nowadays you're wounding on sixes. Let's say a katan, right? Yeah. Um, you are wounding on sixes plus one to wound, so you're wounding on fives with rerolls to wound. You keep your fives, and you just fish for sixes on the rest yes, of the dice, sixes and fives. Um, Exactly. So the troop master himself can flip one dice, uh, your strands of fate dice to a six, and then his fate's messenger can let you flip another wound roll into a six as well. Um, between that unit and grenades and shooting, the damage is almost exactly a 12 on average against a Catan uh, after they feel no pains. Yes. So that is an incredibly useful tool to have. And not just that, in this edition, being able to rapid ingress transports into position is very powerful for staging. And mm. I think this particular package, maybe it doesn't find its way into every list, but I think it's a tool that people are potentially underestimating. I played against uh, one by 10, and then I think it was one or two by five Harlequin Troop recently. And mm. I was genuinely impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, with with what they're able to do, I was just playing Marines, and there was the the ten man uh, actually had your brain in it because this guy was a psychopath, yeah. and, and I actually had a lot of trouble. I had a lot, genuinely had a lot of trouble <laughs> yeah. with just a toughness three four up save unit. Um, he did have a fast here, giving it minus one to wound as well, and of course yeah. that is a big deal. That minus one to wound on that toughness three is actually such a magnificent uh, modifier. Um, and yeah, that was a very respectable unit. They went into what was it? Uh, my aggressors and apothecary biologists and killed it down to one from full. Killed cool. it just down to the apothecary from full. And I was just like, I didn't know they could do that. I thought <laughs> this was trash. Don't tell me they could do that. Great. Um, this is infantry. Yeah, such a good shredder. Uh, yeah, I was very impressed. I do think they're poised to make a comeback. How much is it for five Harlequin troop? Like how much? They're is only seventy-five troop? points, and that troop master is mm. seventy with Fate's Messenger. So it's one hundred and forty-five points for that unit. The Falcon is one hundred and forty. So it's a two hundred and eighty-five point package, which is uh, almost identical to a Wave Serpent and two Fire Dragons. So take your pick on yep. those two choices. Perfectly said. Uh, I would like to give one shout out mm-hmm. to the. I th- I think the new most the the sorry. Possibly the second most busted thing. I was about to say the most busted thing in this in this index. Now I remember the D cannon exists. Uh, <laughs> freaking goddamn Warwalker! Could you just stop? The being, could you just stop being so freaking durable for no reason? You spindly <laughs> piece of sh- yeah. Um, nothing has infuriated me recently like Warwalkers because players around here have just been like lol three. <laughs> Every list lol three single Warwalkers, and you are just you just know man that they should take like. One one decent anti-tank unit should like account for it, and then you're like, why am I why am I rolling my third? <laughs> why am I still piece? shooting this? Why am I rolling my third anti-tank piece into this thing? Why did I why did I not put oath on it? And then why do I have to put oath on it? <laughs> what the what is going on here? Uh, yeah, the yes. Walker can absolutely go straight to hell. It is one of the most frustrating <laughs> things that I find every time I play Eldar. What it's a brilliant just, unit! Oh, Very like it just doesn't make sense to be honest. No. <laughs> Uh, but unpack that. Why is it so durable? What makes it so durable? People. Well, it got a lot of buffs on durability between ninth and well, between forever and now. Uh, all of a sudden, they changed its power field, which was historically a five plus uh, invulnerable save, into a four plus invulnerable save. I don't understand mm-hmm. why he has the strongest shields in the Eldari army. Give it yep. to the other stuff, guys. And um, he also has minus one to wound for some reason. Revolting. And of course, yeah. it went up a, a breakpoint in toughness, of course. Yeah, T- it went up- T7. Yeah, T7. So all the all the strength five and strength six guns, uh, even the strength seven guns, which actually is very few strength seven guns in the game now. They're all mm-hmm. gone. All those auto cannon profiles went to strength nine AP1 stuff. But then those strength nine AP1 guns uh, wounds it on fours into a four up. And you're like, well, I need like 12 of these shots to do some damage to this now six wound uh monstrosity and of course it it scouts nine it's a fantastic um rapid ingress or just walking in to get into firing lanes and it it packs your pretty much meta pick of two good guns so i just think the war walk is absolutely cranked um yeah really good i agree and i think i can see a lot of people running three of them mate i still have uh, well part two we'll we'll go to another part two because i'm still waiting i think i've seen the list i was waiting for uh because the list i predicted which would be the next rung down in in absolute stupidity after the yinkan wraith guard triple night spinner Mm -hmm. is maybe coming to the fore i'll pick your brain on part two but we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna rate 
uh, and do our ratings and rankings, as we always do, as I started to coin it. Um, how would you rate how this index is sitting right now out of 10 uh, for you as a player of it? How happy are you with it out of 10? I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I think I did this before I, with the Eldari last time. Maybe I'm biased, so. potentially biased. <laughs> really? <laughs> but you're catching sure. me. You're catching me at times where I'm just very happy with Eldari. Because if you'd asked me at the start of the edition, or if you asked me before this balanced data slate, I'd be in the ones and twos because mm. I just hated it. Uh, like I was looking for any chance not to play Eldari. Now I'm I'm so excited to take them to every single event. Yeah. I love where they're sitting right now. I think they have never felt more like their faction identity. I think that um, people playing them now will get a lot of fun and a lot of joy out of this MSU dynamic. It's all hell, death by a thousand cuts play style, which I think is a lot of where, where they're residing a lot at the moment. I would definitely be like an 8 out of 10 if I was an Eldar player because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I've lost all the... The top-end brutality is gone, but what I've found underneath it just feels better, just feels like Eldar. Uh, whereas, like I said previously, you really felt like you were almost playing a guard army with some soup um, previously. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you put them right now in the faction, the tier rankings? So our usual, you know, C tier, B tier, A tier, S tier. So I think they're in not the highest. So let's say there's a tier where there's maybe the one or two best armies in the game. Whatever yep. those are, you take your own pick. They're in the tier below that, sitting with a whole bunch of other armies that are excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, let's mm-hmm. say the custodies level. You know, yep. the the death guard level, that kind of level. I think they sit right up there. They have a few bad matchups, but they overall have a chance to play into the vast majority of the meta. And you can play a huge range of builds that are all going to be roughly equally successful. I 100% agree. I think they are very much an upper upper middle, or if not, uh, if not, yeah, like you said, just sitting below the top. I think mm-hmm. never before in this edition uh, will I say that uh, player skill and mastery of Eldari will really be directly correlation to your results. Previously, I do not believe you needed much of a brain. Mm-hmm. Just like if you if you turned on your brain on turn three, just for turn three. You were probably fine. <laughs> Whereas now, I think this is a, a thinking a thinking general's uh, army once again. And I think you can definitely uh, extract immense value uh, whilst doing so. But on that note, we are going to wrap this up, baby. That is the Eldari freaking index done. Another one, another one ticked off my bingo card, and I waited <laughs> how many months into the in, uh, how many months into the dish now? Are we we eight months in now. Something like that, yes. Yeah, I had to wait eight months before this thing got stabilized. <laughs> and I felt like it was going to stay about the same for any period of time. I could still be freaking wrong, by the way. They could come up with the next slate and be like, ha more Eldari changes. And I will absolutely be sucking eggs. Um, Vic, feel free to plug your wares once again, my brother. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Adam. Uh, guys, check out Fireside 40K if you want to hear more of my thoughts, if you enjoyed this episode. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you in part two, I guess. Oh, I'm very excited for part two. Me too, man. We're going to unpack some of these fresh new builds. What mm-hmm. is really bubbling away down there <laughs> underneath the list construction brain of uh, Vic Vijay. Anyway, we'll see you over there. Patron, Art of War, Down Under. Take care. Thank you for listening to Art of War, Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.